0: up and every mountain and hill be made low the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken a voice says cry and I say what shall I cry all flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, Here we are in the reading of God's holy word. Well, I'm sure that you can tell by the songs we have sung, by the Advent candles, we have once again entered into that season, that liturgical season referred to as Advent. Advent is those four Sundays preceding, The celebration of Christmas Advent to to help us to prepare our hearts to once again celebrate what God has done in the sending of his son in flesh to come and to be our Savior Advent celebrates the coming of Jesus Christ into the world It is often uh, a reflection upon the New Testament fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. We remind ourselves that the story of Jesus did not begin in Luke 2. The story of Jesus did not begin in Matthew 1. But all the way back in the Old Testament, God had promised An anointed one, a Savior to come and to save his people from their sins. That's what we celebrate in the time of Advent. This year for our Advent series, we're going to use several texts from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, one who would prophesy about Israel going into captivity, but also the restoration which they would experience. And so our prophet begins in Isaiah 40, verse 1, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. In the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, the predominant message is the coming of the judgment of God. God would come and would judge His people. In fact, that's how uh, chapter 39 ends, 39, verse 5. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king Of Babylon a message that Israel would be taken away into captivity God would come in judgment then the focus of the Prophet changes in Isaiah 40 yes God would come in judgment but he would not be finished with his people and so he says come for it Even in light of this message of judgment, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly, literally speak to the heart of Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That last phrase is a little strange. She's received double for all her sins. The meaning of the prophet is, she has received the fullness of all that her sins deserve. There is no more punishment coming. All the punishment to be meted out has been meted out. Therefore, comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. We see in the coming of Jesus Christ, in his advent, he is the one who brings true comfort. And so we look this morning at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Cry out in the wilderness, in the desert. What would those words mean to those who hear this message? The wilderness, the desert. A symbolic place of God's judgment. A place of death. Remember, children, when the Israelites left Egypt, they didn't go immediately to the land of Canaan. They spent, because of their sin, 40 years wandering in the wilderness. It was a place of God's judgment. And that generation died there a place of judgment, a place of death. And yet in this place, in the wilderness, in the desert, we hear this cry, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. When the Lord will come, He will bring hope for those who are in exile. Hope for those who have been taken away into captivity. Comfort, my people, even in the wilderness, even in in the desert, even under God's judgment, there is still hope. He says, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain. The prophet here uses such beautiful picturesque language. He says, there will be no hindrance to the coming of the comfort. No hindrance to the coming of the hope. No valley will be too deep for for him not to cross. No mountain too high he cannot scale. It's as if everything's level. And he he comes without impediment. It speaks of the surety of the one who will come to bring hope for those in exile. He will most certainly come and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. The prophet, in many ways, speaks beyond himself as he speaks of a greater one to come, the glory of the Lord being revealed in this one who would come to be hope for those in exile, the one who would bring life to the desert like water in a dry land. They would see His glory. Israel would see the glory, the power, the justice of God in the judgment that He would bring. They would also see His grace and His mercy, His blessing, and His tender care. The prophet speaks of one to come who will will be this Lord coming in the wilderness, in the desert. Of course, the fulfillment of that in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who when he comes, John in his gospel says, we have seen his glory, his glory like as the glory of the Father. Isaiah points past himself, points to to Jesus Christ who would come and be a blessing for his people, the one who would come to, to relieve their captivity, the one who would come to us. Who would come to the wilderness, to the desert, in our own hearts. To our lack of concern about the things of the Lord. To the sins that we hold so close inside. And He would come to that dead place. And He would bring life. He would bring peace. He would bring hope. Your warfare is ended, your iniquity is pardoned, all the punishment for your sin has been taken already. Therefore, there is hope, there is joy. The coming of Jesus Christ into the world was more than just the celebration of a birth of a baby. It was the celebration of the coming of a savior who would bring comfort to his people. He says, The mouth of the Lord has spoken this. And he goes on in verse 6. A voice says, cry, and I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. He's going to here now paint a picture of the surety of the coming of the Lord and paint a picture of the difference between the transient nature of the word of man and the definite nature of the word of God. The Lord Almighty, the mouth of the Lord, has spoken this. And it's so different from the words of man. The words of man, he says, they're like grass. It's beautiful. It's nice to hear like the flower of the field. But it simply doesn't last. If this promise of a comforter, of the hope to come, was simply a human promise, there's not much to hold on to. Because the grass withers and the flowers fade. The word of man goes away like flowers that grow for a while. And then the weather changes. We had this in our house in Susanna. We had some beautiful flowers outside the house. And they would grow up. And then the weather would change in the fall. And those flowers would just wither up and die. They looked beautiful before. And suddenly the cold comes and and the flowers just die away. He says that's what the word of man is like. It's transient. Not permanent. But... The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. God's word never fails. His promises never come to nothing. When God speaks, we can be sure it will come to pass. And that really too is part of the message of Advent that God's promises never fail. We're reminded of a God who fulfills his word. A word, as I said, given already back in the Old Testament, already back in the Garden of Eden. There was the promise of the seed of the woman who would come and defeat the seed of the serpent. And you have to imagine that when Adam and Eve heard that, the seed of the woman to defeat the seed of the serpent, and they had their first son, Cain, they must have thought, well, this is the one. This is the seed of the woman who will now bring us deliverance. Of course, we know that that didn't happen. In fact, the first seed of the woman ends up killing his brother. And then perhaps when Seth is born, oh, this is the one, this is the seed of the woman. But it wasn't that one either. And and throughout Israel, child after child after child would be born, and none of them, none of them were the promised seed of the woman. And they waited, and they wondered, is God's word really true? Can his promises be trusted? We see that in the life of Abraham when he is called out of Ur of the Chaldees as a 75 year old man. He's told he'll be given a land. Later, he's told he'll be given children, not just a few children, children like the stars and the sky and the sand and the seashore. And he waits and waits and waits and waits, and it just doesn't seem like God's word is true. He waits and he wonders. King David was told there will always be a king on David's throne. There will always be someone to rule. And yet, Isaiah just said, you're going to go up into captivity. What about the promise? What about the word of God? Is his word trustworthy or not? Isaiah reminds us the word of our God stands forever. All of God's promises... Do come to fruition in his time. Not necessarily in our time. After the prophets of the Old Testament, after Malachi, the last prophet in the Old Testament, finishes speaking, there are 400 years of prophetic silence. 400 years! they would not hear from God. They had to wonder, has God forgotten us? Is His Word really true? Can it be trusted? Will it stand forever? And then, and then when, that, when that very last old covenant prophet comes, when John the Baptist comes and someone says, who are you? He says, I'm the voice, quotes Isaiah 40. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. They would wait, but God in his perfect timing would fulfill his word. Sometimes we wonder, can the word of God be trusted? Will he really continue to care for us? We've been praying for this particular thing for so long, for so long, for so long, and God just seems to have turned a deaf ear Does he really hear? Can he answer? The prophet reminds us, grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Assurance, then, when God says his people will be comforted, they will be comforted. Then the prophet changes just a bit He's spoken to Israel. Cry, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Cry, all grass is like flesh, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And now in verse nine, he changes just a bit, and he says this. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. To this point, the exiles have been spoken to. Prepare for the coming of the Lord. His word will last forever. Now another word comes. Israel, not so much being spoken to, but a message now for them to speak. Israel is now told, they will declare the truth, behold your God. Those who would have the comfort of knowing that God would bring his people back, God would restore them, they would have hope. Those who would have the assurance his word will stand forever. They are now called the heralds of the good news. O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength and say, behold your God. Those who received this wonderful message are now called to declare this wonderful message. To to declare the truth of who God is and what he would do for his people. I'm always amazed that in this time of year, the time of Advent, the time of preparing for Christmas, it is a time that absolutely begs us to share the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Even at this time of year, the world recognizes there's something going on. Now, they won't count Advent Sundays. They'll count shopping days till Christmas. They'll get it wrong, but they recognize something's, something's happening. Even the world recognizes there's a celebration coming. And we are the ones who must capitalize on that. We are the ones who must use this opportunity to declare the truth that we know. O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, the church, herald of good news, lift up your voice, fear not. Say, behold your God. When people ask us, you know, Are you you prepared for Christmas? How's your Christmas shopping going? Are you prepared for Christmas to come? How are you preparing? We don't just say, Yeah, my shopping's going fine and whatnot. We say, Yes, I'm preparing. Every Lord's Day, we are looking at God's Word, how He has planned for the coming of His Son. This time of year, the world asks us the question What's going on? We may not be silent. We must capitalize on these opportunities to share the truth, the fullness, the message. Behold, there is a God who has come into the world. The fullness of that message. Verse 10, Behold, the Lord your God comes with might, and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, His recompense before Him. Yes, He is a God of might, a God of power, a God of judgment. A God who was sent into the world because of sin, because of our fallenness. We need to tell the whole truth about Christmas. It's not just about a cute little baby in a manger. It's about a fallen, sinful condition, mankind unable to save himself, and God in His goodness, fulfilling His Word, and in the fullness of time, sending His Son. Yes, God is a God of judgment, a God of power, a God of might but He is also a God of mercy and a God of grace. Verse 11, He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The whole story of Christmas. Yes, Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth he came a sinner's savior because we are the sinners who stand in need of that salvation. This time of year, the world begs for the truth. They won't get it right. Uh, Zion, Jerusalem called to declare the truth. The call doesn't go to Philistia. The call doesn't go to Canaan. They won't get the truth right, right? And even now, we see the world often gets Christmas wrong. But we have the opportunity to tell the truth, to declare what God has done. A merciful, gracious, gentle God. He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms. He carries them in His bosom and gently leads those that are with young. The beauty, the fullness of the gospel. And it's that same gospel that we hear today. Yes. Yes, we are fallen and we are sinful. But God has sent his son to give us hope. He has assured us by his holy word that Jesus Christ would come and perfectly fulfill everything necessary for our salvation. Embrace him as your Lord. Embrace him as the one you celebrate this Advent season. And know the glory of comfort real comfort that comes from god comfort comfort my people says your god he comes to give us hope to give us life in a in in a time where we're not sure what's going on we live in a time of anxiety jesus christ comes with comfort not simply uh, for the things of this life but for eternal life he comes as the one who gives us peace with god Because he was the one prophesied so long ago, already in Isaiah, speaking beyond himself. There would be one who would come the glory of God, full of grace and truth. And now we, as the recipients of that glorious message, have the privilege. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, and say, Behold your God. May God give us the strength, the joy, the desire to this Advent season share the good news, the truth about who Jesus Christ is and the glory of Christmas. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are so thankful to you for your holy word, a word that from beginning to end speaks of your Son Jesus Christ, that from beginning to end speaks of the surety of your word, that your word will stand forever. Lord God, may that give us strength, may that give us encouragement to share that glorious word with others around us in this next month, in this Advent season, at our work with our neighbors, even in our own homes, as you give us opportunities, may we open our mouth, speak as from a high mountain, speak with strength, not with fear, and say, behold, this is God, and this is what he has done. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake, amen. We are gonna turn to number 298 number 298 this is a setting of uh, Isaiah chapter 40 we sang this last Sunday evening in our song service I really appreciate that that it was introduced uh, last Sunday evening the the tune is Genevan 42 for those of you who know the Genevan Psalms uh, a beautiful tune not necessarily an easy tune but a beautiful tune Again, lines one and two uh, parallel each other. They are the same musically. Uh, Lines three and four very similar uh, musically. So we're going to sing one through four of 298. uh, Comfort, comfort ye my people, speak ye peace. Thus saith, saith our God. Let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all amen <laughs>